Hello, welcome to the Film Dogs. (laughs) I'm Mr. B. I am Lord Marcus. And we're going to talk about favorite films of 2023 so far. I think we're going to talk about our favorite films of 2023 so far. Which I I guess we have to say first thing off the bat, unfortunately in Australia we don't get all the releases at the same time as America. So we are missing... A lot of movies. That oh my would god! Be in bullshit. People's even Netflix. Even yeah. Netflix Australia releases some things later. I'm hoping Rebel Moon's not going to be the case. But May December, we're not going to get May December until February first. I'm very upset about that. Yeah, I mean, I still haven't caught Anatomy of a Fall. I still haven't seen. We, we're not going to get. Pri- we're yeah. not going to get the holdovers. We're not going to get Priscilla. Zone of Interest. We're not going to get Priscilla. Um. We're not going to get any of these things until January. And under like, at least in the States, you guys are getting like many of these films are already there. I don't know about the UK, not much. Um, send us a comment on what happens in the UK, but in Australia, good Lord. Yeah. We are far from anything that's really happening. It's like, I will be um, lobbying to attend some film festivals outside of Queensland next year. Yeah. It seems to be one of the only ways to get, Movies. <laughs> well, see, I, sort of, I sort of passed on May, December, and Anatomy of a Fall, and all of us strangers, um, just because we couldn't, um, like, we sort of did everything last minute. Like, the scheduling yeah. just didn't work out too well. Now it turns out, like, I I am really bummed that I didn't go check those things out. Uh, but obviously, like, uh, so LA Film Critics Association Awards awarded Zone of Interest number one movie of the year. Um, Sean Fennessy has said that that's a large predictor of what ends up um, being a serious contender for the Oscars. Do we want to chat some awards on this one or maybe save it? Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. But yeah, we'll talk about the noms and the awards. And yeah, there's probably a couple, there'll be all of these sort of minor awards coming up over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, because so. they just did Golden Globes noms this week. We've got the. Um, American Film Institute um, Awards, the LA Film Critics Awards, and uh, like the Independent Spirit Awards. Yep. And then we've got uh, Indie Wire's uh, end of year list, uh, Big Picks end of year list, uh, Letterboxd end of year list. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's sort of putting those things out. It is sort of unfortunate that. Yeah. Uh, I kind of feel like my top five. Like we like we talk about our favorites. I mean, if we're going out of what is released to the rest of the world right now, and yeah, what totally. they are talking about with people that we respect, I'm happy to talk about everything that we have seen up until this yeah. point, with an asterisk saying um, we're going to have uh, an appendage to this episode. Well, I think we kind of set up front that we reckon maybe one through five are already almost solidified of being in the top 10 slash in the one through five. It's the six through 10 that are the hard ones. I am pretty sure my five are immovable. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Well, yeah, same. If I, if, and if I look at my, my 10 that are in my list at the moment, Let's. I'm gonna say what I'm looking forward to seeing because I wonder if it's gonna throw them off. Because, uh, like, it's probably not gonna be in my top ten, but I still want to see Wonka. It's a pr- might not be in my top ten, but I want to see Priscilla. Yep. Uh, Zone of interest is from what it sounds like with, oh man, with what that film's about. I I 
as a film dog, if you want to know me, like World War II, obsessed. Now, heavy World War II. So will I? Will this make my top 10? I'm not sure, but I am very interested in seeing that film. <laughs> um, just speaking of which, a, a super quick tangent on the World War II. Yeah. Um, the boy and the heron is essentially like it is. A, it's a World War II film. Well, it's not even a tangent because this is related, and I reckon this might be in your top. Uh, yeah, boy and the heron <laughs> has definitely cracked my top ten. Um, Godzilla minus one did not, but I gotta say, I really, really enjoyed seeing Godzilla you minus one this in week, theater, as well as boy and, and the, the heron. heron. Is yeah. it? It's boy and the heron. Boy and the heron. Boy yeah. and the heron. Yeah, because um, those uh, are both I've not seen yet, but uh, I'm not really interested in Godzilla. Yeah, I, I, call. I am, but I'm not. I've I've already heard people talk about it and that they like it for what it is and uh, their take on it and it being the World War II era as well. But I, but if if I could only see two one movie in theater and it was Boy and the Heron, it, that's the one I wanted to see. Let me say this though: the Godzilla was such. Uh, it was just sort of this big surprise moment. Like everybody was talking about it. Went to the theater. Yeah. It was kind of one of my least favorite theaters. And it was 95% packed. Yeah. And from what I've read, it does kind of like every theater. And it's like, it's a foreign language film. It's a Japanese film. There is no English. It's in foreign, is it? I didn't it know is, that. It's completely, uh, completely foreign language with subtitles. Which is just crazy to me that we are at a place where uh, Godzilla is packing theaters as a yeah. foreign language Japanese back to roots film. Um, in of itself, that's really good. This movie was made on a fifteen million dollar budget compared to yes the disasters of the MCU and the DCU. Uh, Two hundred and three hundred million. These studios aren't copping their money back. Uh, this was made for 15 million and it was beautiful to like uh, I would yeah. imagine I've not seen the creator yet but what I understand that the creator is very visually oh, you, pleasing you haven't seen it not yet um, I think it, it it's out on streaming already I think or I it's think it's available soon. for purchase uh there's not anything yeah. for the free stream so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold out a little bit longer um I think it's I think uh I saw it in theaters uh, it was good but I would it's not something I would pay to rent currently with the market of what we already have on our list. I'm kind of going off what you've yeah. said and what other people have said and just with the general vibe. I, I, I got my Letterbox tribe and nobody's got a lot of love for it. I definitely want to see it. I love... I didn't hate uh, it. <laughs> David Washington. Mm. Um, I love... Yeah. I love Gareth Edwards. Um, I hope that I hope that it's good. I just wasn't really particularly compelled to see it on the big screen. But the boy and the heron, I totally recommend going and seeing it on the big screen. Oh my goodness, what a great! Now, this, with this said, it's an art. It is an art house film. This is uh, it's it's animated. It's beautifully animated. It is gorgeous. Yeah. But if your version of animated is the the latest um, Spider Verse, which is amazing, and it is, and I'm not discrediting it, and it's probably maybe even my preferred. This, is, but this is not that. This is not Spider Verse. This is gorgeous 2d classical simple um basic animation um well it's not basic it it's full of imagination i i, I compare it favorably to wizard of oz in a couple of different ways um one the the kind of the story arc 
but more than the story arc was its ability to make me feel like I was watching a movie for the first time. And I don't think that a lot of people are, are, you know, some people have the capacity to do that. You have to sit down and like really just watch it and have okay. a slow pulse and relax and no tension and just sort of absorb it. Um, it it's, a, it's a movie to be absorbed and breathed in and, uh, but it was just so gorgeous, and the the story itself was very dreamlike. And um, actually, I heard the Watch Boys talking about it. Yeah, uh, Andy, I think it was Andy Greenwald. Yeah, and he kind of had me sold Lynch. on it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, as soon as he said, "Oh, I compare this to like a David Lynch film," and I'm like, "Oh the, my the god!" He said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it was like that yeah. was it was the moment I heard them talking about it because i i like chris ryan but um andy was the one that liked it and said he was gonna be talking about it on the big picture yeah um, it was um it was so it uh, i really strongly recommend it uh it has made my top 10 uh list at the moment um you know it's hovering around the currently between seven and ten somewhere mm. Uh, it could rise if I had time for to see it again before I see all these other films. Yeah. Uh, I definitely want to. I, I'm kind of more interested personally, not seeing that again, but tackling uh, all of uh, the Studio Ghibli films and um, like Howl's Moving Castle. I've seen Spirited Away. I've not really seen any of his other works. So okay. um, I'm going to try to tackle more of those Like, because I, I just loved it so much. Like I was really immersed Oh man, like I, I, uh, the post film energy that I have for the boy and the heron is as strong as, um, definitely all of the ones in my top five and all the ones in my top five. Um, I am still buzzing off of the post film energy, which is really strange because I've, like, I've, I started going back and looking through my letterbox for like 2022, yeah. which also was a very good year for film. When, but 20... when did you get letterboxed then? Um, because I think I only, just six in months. like January or six. Something. Uh, no, I, 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 um, we joined about the same time. Yeah, Leatherboxed. Okay. I'm just saying, I went back and uh, I've been making, uh, okay. I've been ranking years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so yeah. I looked at all the films that I actually watched in 22, and then all the films I actually watched in 21 and 20. Mm-hmm. Man, 21 and 20, that was not uh, my top 10 is not something I'd be proud of. Um, I'm hoping there'll be some hidden gems that come out <laughs> later down the road from these. Did Harris hidden gone gems by. didn't come out in 21, did it? Look, um, nah, it, I don't no, know if it's 20 it or 21. Maybe, yeah. But then it, like uh, 20 and 21, I'm really bad. But like uh, looking at 22 and 23, man, my top 10 are re- like, uh, my top 10 are pretty good. I feel that my top 10's pretty daggone good. Uh, our, our top 10 is probably pretty similar. I don't think it's going to be exact. Or... I think our, I think our top five or even top six will be very similar or at, m- maybe not that. I would say six to seven of the films will probably be the same. The order, I think, will be all all over the place. I but there will be there will be maybe two or three of mine that I don't think will be on yours. Cause we, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think you've, um, also, uh, well, you've not yet seen, uh, so for the purpose of this episode, yeah. you've not yet seen the boy and the heron. Correct. The boy and the heron's on mine. And, um, and Bo is afraid is on I mine. mean, you'll, when we go through our list of, of 10 films that we've already seen, you'll kind of know going from that, you're going, that's in your top 10. And if we have all these other movies coming out that are meant to be ranking high, it's probably going to boot 
a lot of these off. Well, let's, well, let's just talk. We'll let's, talk through let's, that. Yeah, let's yeah, jump let's in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's jump in. What do you got? Because I'm, um, you've been thinking about this for a bit. And when you, when I asked what you want to talk about tonight, this was the kind of what we came up with. So I, I started to throw together a list loosely off of what I'd seen, although you were able to see a bit more than I have. And there is a bunch more that we both want to see. Well, there should I be some, still, there, I can there's still some notes about, about that 10 films. I, um, like, I don't have children to tend to, and I, you know, I've got a pretty decent work career where a dude likes to go to movies often. Yeah, but you do know. have a, you have a decent work career and you do have Lord Huxley who is upon I, my know. feet at the moment right now. <laughs> Little feet pillow. He's giving me some love. All right, so let's English uh, Black Lab, everybody. One, two, three, four. Chocolate. Chocolate. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. Currently at number ten. I'm gonna go. By, I'm gonna you, go by ranking. I'm gonna go from ten you, to one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go from ten to one. You know, if, the way if my that's how you want to do it, let your hair down. Even if you just wanted to throw them in a random order and go, this is going to be on there. But you can I go can ten. You can okay. go from one and backwards. You could go from. No, five. All right. If we're if we're going to do sort of like a New Year's Eve countdown and then do the official rankings. Okay. Now I'm cool to go with what the films that are in my top ten right now without giving away the number yeah, of yeah, the yeah. ranking. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um. Then I'm going to start out with. They cloned Tyrone. Oh my God. Has made my top 10. My man. It's on my list as well. Right on. I loved this movie. I love the fact that uh, it has made my top 10. Mm. And the other two big tentpole films that released on the same exact day in the theater and made a billion dollars each. Um, I prefer They Cloned Tyrone any day of the week. Uh, I thought it was incredible. Even back then, I was like, oh, man, if we had had this version of Boyega in Star Wars, man, they didn't know what they had in that guy. Um, and Jamie Foxx, I get, like, I, at the time, I thought he was a for sure going to get some sort of uh, recognition and a supporting role. Yeah. I mean, because uh, this cause is so good. Uh, I just love Jamie Foxx made that for me. But it was just like one of these uh, and a, uh, Netflix and a debut feature from a brand new yeah, director. Yeah, Joel Taylor, his debut. Oh, my God. Like, I really, uh, I couldn't say enough about this movie. I loved it to death. And I think we, um, like, I watched it, like, two times in the matter of a couple of days, um, which is a surefire yeah. for me is th- there's a lot uh, yeah. of one-offs. I, I like it and uh, whatever. Uh, would I ever watch it again? It doesn't necessarily mean I could give a picture a five star rating, never see it again because I appreciate mm. the masterpiece that it is. Yeah. Uh, but this one is one uh, I could see it getting multiple views over the course of my life. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's got its own flavor to it. I don't even know what I call the flavor. Well, these Do days, kinda, like a, a, yeah. a, a low budget sci fi drama that's, um, you know, an, I think it's an, on, an, yeah, an all black cast. Is it almost ironic as well? Like there's some there's some there's some wit to it, but there's yeah, also but like, like kind of like some dark stuff because it you know a disciple of Jordan Peele. Like we're into this yeah. generation where it's beautiful that Jordan Peele's given us the the masterpiece Get Out. Oh geez, I watched that last night. With oh Mrs. man, B. I, I saw that you had watched that. It's like I think I'm gonna have to load that up for myself. As I bought well. it. I'll say that that's on the record because yeah, we're on the pod. Yeah, I bought it. So we were we were watching a film that I had bought. 
Mr. B is turning yeah, into yeah. a horror freak. Well, th- we'll have to save that for our horror pod. <laughs> what is a horror? Yeah. Please stay tuned. It's going to be great for everybody that is scared. If the, the real horror is the fear of being a horror fan. But they cloned Tyrone. It literally made both of our lists. Right on. Uh, you told me about it mainly, I think, because of we somehow got in a conversation of maybe John Boyega. Yeah, that was what, like, for me, I was just so blown away that um, <laughs> this guy, had, like, he was so underused. Well, you said I had never seen him like this before, and uh, to be honest, I, I, I don't care for his performances in Star Wars. Um, I don't think that's... With this, we, we talk it, about it, it off the record that's, going... That's not his fault. Like, that's yeah, the director's went, fault. I don't think it's... Yeah, I didn't think it was necessarily his fault. I think it was maybe Clear, the writing cl- and Clearly, it was fault. definitely not his fault. Oh, geez. If, you're, if you are in doubt of John Boyega having uh, skills, my God, they cloned Tyrone. Be- or, or if you I, think I, that I, Jamie Foxx has disappeared. I didn't believe it was him when we were watching it. I know. It was good. Like, he was so good. I love, He's, uh, he transformed himself almost to a point to where you'd call him a character actor for somebody to be that could be in Star Wars and and deliver such cheesy lines in some of the Star Wars phrases. Man, that scene right and, before. Uh, he, and then do uh, Tyrone. I don't want to do any spoilers on this nah. episode. Um, but him, Jamie Foxx, even uh, what Toyona Paris uh yeah, like everybody was so good in it. Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, it was, it's, a w- it was a, it's a it's a it's a great it, film. It's a WTF film, but you will understand that that's kind of a half of our brand. I think it fits for people that like to watch Coen Brothers films. Oh, for sure, that, it's a little quirky. Yeah. Like, that, like little... you said, the Jordan Peele. What is a horror? Is yeah. that a horror? Oh, it's kind of a comedy. It is like it's a satire. Like uh, yeah. this is one of those films that I think everybody would have a little bit of a different definition about it. Loved it. Oh my goodness. I um yeah can't wait to watch it again. Actually. Well, I mean, I guess that gets it out of the way for me, so I don't have to say that. Um, uh, that was on my list. I'll um. I have one in an honorable mention that we'll save. towards the end i guess for now so i'll just jump to you'll never find me it's currently on my top 10 right on it unfortunately just got bumped out for me but i think uh great i don't know if it will make it but keep going um uh, dude uh so this is such a fond memory for me for our first film festival so it has a little bit of nostalgic importance for me but I still remember how electric and alive I felt after watching it. This great understated thriller. Was it like it was, I think it was listed as a horror, but it's not a horror, but maybe it kind of is if you look deep enough, but not on the surface, it's not. Um, Two actors on one set and what the director was able to do was just, uh, it, it was masterful. I think film lover, uh, people that really appreciate good films uh, for the craft of it, um, people that are in the film industry, like I feel like this is a film for people that are hardcore um, movie lovers. Yeah. Um, just b- to appreciate the craft behind it because it's like no name actors and you never heard of the director. And, uh, Correct. But it was like, uh, it was so good. I mean, I just about- like they cloned Tyrone, you would say full feature debut as well. Right, exactly. Um, and so, and I think, I love this injection of the fresh blood that's uh, coming in with good quality cinema that's engaging. That's um, this is actually like medium brow. It's, it's not low brow. It's not super high brow, but maybe like it's um, like there's not a lot of action, 
but there is a lot of suspense, a lot of thriller, uh, and I was just really blown away by this. And I can't wait hmm. to read about it next year. Um, you know, sort of blowing up on some sort of streaming platform. Yeah, I'd love for somebody yeah. to take it on. I would like this streaming. person to make more films. They they are clearly very talented. Yeah. Was Indiana Bell and film. Josiah Allen, and uh, even produced by Jordan Cohen um, and Indiana Bell and Josiah Allen. But but Jordan Cohen was one of the lead uh, lead actress who doesn't even have a name. We just call her the Visitor. Yeah. And then we had Brendan Rock, who was um, the leading male. I hope that I see them again in something else. I want to get more into like the local independent cinema. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think the film festivals are the way to do that. So, well, uh, I was even at um, at a Christmas gathering on the weekend, chatting with um, a family member, actress from Australia, um, and so we were talking about films, and this was one that came up because she was wondering what I had been watching, and uh, I had mentioned this one. And, had, had she seen it? Um, no, but w was interested. Um, and she gave me some great, uh, recommendations as well. Awesome. Uh, so that I've added to my list, but I was, uh, yeah, like you said at the, at the beginning of talking about this is the fond memory of it being a first film festival, um, a full cinema. Uh, it was just electric that night, hey. but, but electric or not it is a great film it really is and um, it 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 fits the a24 vibe it fits the totally people big, that are big a24 vibe into horror or into almost uh plays uh, the uh, the uh, a movie that's shot like a play where a scene is uh, mainly delivered like monologues and you get a turn i get a turn you get a turn i get a turn now here's the thing um it's no disrespect to this film at all that it's not made my top ten. It's the quality of the rest of the films for this year. Like, yeah, I've got like like I feel like my top twenty is better than the top five for like the last three to four years. Well, that's uh, why it's a worthy talk about because yeah. to be honest, I don't think it will be able to stay in my top ten with all the movies I haven't seen. Yeah, but it at least gets an honorable mention in this episode because we will do a top 10 definitive of 2023 when we get those films. Yeah. Uh, it unfortunately has to be uh, at the beginning or a few months in of 2024, which is a bit crazy for Australia. But uh, what uh, what next film do you have that you want to um, talk about? Um, I'm going to stay off of the ones that I know we're going to start having. Um, I was kind of surprised that they cloned Tyrone Majors. Um, I'm very pleasantly, very pleasantly surprised. Next one is yeah. uh, I'm going to pick one that you've not seen. Um, and this is going to, this is the kind of film that really defines it's like, oh man, what, what does this guy watch? What is he into? Da, da, da. It's a little bit, it's out there. It's like um, if we're on Earth, this film is okay. out there beyond the solar system. Where is it going? The Infinity Pool. I, it is, um, it's a film by Brandon Cronenberg, who okay. is the son of the auteur David Cronenberg. Yeah, okay. And this guy has got his dad's blood pumping through him like nobody's business. He just made this very shocking and very provocative film um, that I so I saw the I saw the previews for it uh, at Bo is Afraid. And it 
the trailer sold me that it was a particular type of film, which was sort of like a vacation, mm-hmm. like a a, vac- uh, a couple goes to a South Sea Island resort um, invasion horror. Mia Goth is in it. Yeah, Mia nice. Goth. Uh, she was Scarf great Guard. in Suspiria. Yeah, She's totally. in Emma as well. Yeah. High Life, which I haven't seen, but you have recommended to me. Yes. Okay. Um, And so... When I actually started watching this film, I didn't know that it was by Brandon Cronenberg. Um, and I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh, like, wow, this is kind of my kind of weird. And then it yeah. got really um, a, a couple scenes pushed the boundaries of the rating system. There's two. There, there's a like, there. There is some graphic sexual content for people that are uncomfortable with that. Okay. Um, just coming to this movie aware of that, but it like that's that's not the primary. Uh, there's another film like that, and that I know is going to be in our uh, yeah. our mutual list. Um, but that's not what the whole film is about. Like just the way that this guy has directed, he's made a a, a very adult couple of uh, graphic scenes that I guess do service to the story. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, that it's got Skarsgård as well, Alexander Skarsgård. It is. Uh, it's very weird. It's very strange. It's very engaging. It's very provocative. It's like sort of, um, it's my number two sort of controversial pick, but I like, I really felt that this guy has a grip on taking the, his mantle from his dad who, um, you know, has made some of, um, the best films that have ever been made, uh, David Cronenberg. Well, I've not seen it, so um, maybe give us just a light premise. No, no spoilers. Yeah, no worries. A couple goes to um, a resort on an unnamed fictional island. Yeah, and they meet some other people at the same resort and are sort of exploring, getting to knowing each other. And it turns out that. Um, the resort is on. Uh, it turns out that the resort is on a rather fantastical island where some very strange things happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it just sort of is on. Uh, imagine if the Wizard of Oz was for adults and it was on a horror show, and they never got home. They just ended up just sort of keep going further and further and further. <laughs> like, there's no real resolution to it. Yeah. Uh, there is resolution. Oh, it's it's very strange, but um, so very well made. Just kind of reminds me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this dude definitely has watched a lot of Twin Peaks, and so I saw the a lot of the influence of Twin Peaks uh, on this film. Although he took it <laughs> uh, pretty intensely <laughs> in a different direction, uh, the influence was just absolutely amazing. Oh my goodness, I I, I fell in love with it instantly. Um, yeah, made, definitely made my top. It's it's currently in my top ten. It's hovering around that mark. Yeah, it could it could be up for calling. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, uh, and I would say probably mostly due to the controversial. Uh, I'm not a prude. As like, but that was uh, <laughs> you are not a man, prude. This was uh, like hit. It's like, oh, how is this helping the story along? Of course, Mia Goth probably fucking opted for. Her. Yeah, she went Stone Cold free. Stone, love you. All right, Infinity Pool. Um, this this uh, <laughs> you will not agree at all, and it. And it will probably get bumped. Uh, but Barbie. I fucking am so glad it's, that at least you put it on there, dude. But it's 2020. It's 2023. Think, it's the year of the movie comeback. And we have Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, America Ferreira, uh, um, Will Ferrell, Michael Sarah, Helen Mirren. Like the amount of 
Rob, but what, what, this, what, would this film have actually been better without Will Ferrell in it? I feel like sacrilegious saying that. No Dude, disrespect. Dua, Dua like, Lipa uh, is a fucking Barbie in this movie as well. John Cena's in it. Who's there's? I don't know who's not in this movie. Um, it's a it's a movie for humans because I can't say it's a movie for women. It's not a movie for men, but men will watch it. And uh, apparently, conservative men got really upset about this film this year, and uh, so did Lord Marcus. <laughs> But I, I didn't get uh, not, not I, I, to I put them in the on. same oh, sentence. Whoa, 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 not whoa. to put you in the same sentence. I didn't get upset at the film. I got upset that it was suggested that I might like it. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Two separate things. Um, yes, I did watch it. I watched it with Mrs. B in theaters. It was a date night, and uh, I laughed a lot. And the singing with like Ryan Gosling, I'm just Ken. That. I'll say um, that I'll, I'll say this. My, Matchbox Twenty. I want to push you around. What oh little? Yeah, I could get that from YouTube. Um, but I will say this: what little I liked about it was um, all. Look, I like. I'm not a natural hater. Like I kind of really wanted to like it when I saw the trailer. I was like, oh my god, yeah. I think this is a film that I could really like. Oh man, I don't know. Like I I I don't want to rewatch it. Maybe I was in a super bad mood, but I don't think I was. I think I genuinely hated it. And I'm not willing to gamble. I think another, you were in a bad mood. I don't think I'm willing to gamble that that's the case and ever give it another chance. <laughs> but I did uh I loved Ryan I, I did love Ryan Gosling in it. Uh, yeah, because but I, I, go, I love him and everything. Yeah, exactly. Um so I hope he doesn't it do the sequel. It could end up being I, an honorable he, mention for me. I hope he doesn't do the sequel. I mean, imagine, would uh, would you prefer that Wonka, if Wonka somehow were to overtake Barbie? Is that how bad Barbie is to you? Oh, I and can, how bad I, Wonka I can, will I be, can, but somehow will be better than Barbie? I can guarantee you that uh, for me, uh, that Wonka's going to be better than Barbie. Yeah, I feel like the world's not going to agree with you, but that does show me where I you're going feel that, for vibes and tastes and shit. I kind of feel well, yeah. The world, uh, well, I think the world definitely probably will not agree. The world, the will, world, the world will probably think that Barbie's better than Wonka. Yeah. Um, I will be in the uh, category of people with good taste that <laughs> say otherwise. No disrespect to you, Barbie fans. Yeah. Um, but this is all about my boy, Timothy Chalamet, going tomorrow at 1230 to see that. Rolling Hell out. Hell yeah. Um, um, you're next there, Buckaroonie. Well, I just said oh, Barbie. You did Barbie. Oh, I just did Barbie. You did Barbie. Um, I'm not going to say on this podcast that it was my least favorite movie of the year, but it was. <laughs> um, I think I, I'm going to go ahead and pick my one. I think I've got two more that you've not seen yet. Um, I'm going to go with Bo is Afraid. Coincidence? Because I'm afraid. B is Afraid. B is Afraid. Um, this is another, this uh, This is not for everyone. It's but, probably not even for all of the Ari Aster fans out there. This isn't, uh, this kind of following, you'll see what my brand is real quick. Um, this is a WTF movie. It is okay. weird. You do not know what's going on. You do <laughs> not understand for a second that you're in for another hour of a film. And uh, it's complicated and it's difficult to sit through. You are like, you, you, it makes you earn it in this one. 
But there's all kinds of really delicious details. Like the filmmaking is superb. Okay. The narrative's a little like it, it. It's just it's not conventional film. Is like one of the things that I love about it. Yeah. It's super long. It's complicated. It's not for everyone. Um, he so he's made Midsummer and Hereditary, I and just this watched was Midsummer uh, as well. Oh, man, uh, I, I'm I'm keen to talk about that. Well, I mean, I, so uh, I've not seen Bo is Afraid. Uh, I wanted to. It is on my list to to watch, especially after I had I have just watched Midsummer. Um, yeah, so that'll that'll be interesting if it lands for me. I think that it's better that you've seen one of his other films before this. Yeah. Um, yeah, to get me in the headspace of what it is. Because, because this is a different, like, um, yeah. well, Midsommar and Hereditary mm. are kind of, they could be lumped together more than what Bo, and, uh, Bo is Afraid is, which okay. is not really, like, both of those, Midsommar and Hereditary are definitely more classical horror and... I would not put Bo is Afraid in a horror category in almost any kind of sense. <laughs> um, there's some things that are kind of there, – there's some horrific scenes in the sense that it's like, oh, like very intense. Um, but it's just much – like a, it's more of an odyssey film. And uh, Joaquin was really good in it. But, mm-hmm. uh, man, we're talking about – I feel like I'm one of the few people that really love his performance in the Joker. Um, cause everybody feels like they're stepping all over Heath Ledger. Now who gives a shit? <laughs> like, uh, Joaquin owns that. Yeah. So like, I don't feel bad, but it doesn't seem like he is getting a lot of love. Yeah. I've not seen Napoleon, so I don't know what that performance is like. I have but, seen it, but Bo is afraid is, um, like the love, the level of acting, the, the commitments really there. It's just that the role is so much different. And the, the role of the Joker is this iconic role that he obviously deserved the, the Academy award for. And he's not getting that recognition this year, but it's definitely yep. like, he's putting the same effort into it. Super good job on his part. But again, along with infinity pool, super strange film, not for everybody. And um, I'd say you've really got to love surrealism. Um, you have to love, a demented person asking you to hold uh, your hand and take you on a journey through their mindscape. And if you like that and, and are kind of adventurous, kind of dangerous, that's a pretty good film for you. Um, definitely, definitely in my top 10 loved it. Uh, I am Astor is up there with Garland and Eggers for me as the, and Chazelle. Nice. As the, as the new school Vanguard. I've got the killer. Nice. I've got that as well. Do you? I do. Interesting. Yeah. Um, cause, uh, I say interesting because I felt like I had to sell you on the film. You seemed almost bummed after the theater when we watched in the theater talking about it, I did. but you did get another watch in after I had done another watch and I was like, bro, here's, here's a few different lenses to, to read it or watch it through. Um, and I, and I think, but even for me, the second watch and hearing people talk about it helped solidify some of the wit and maybe some of the things that I missed. Um, There was kind of this, there were, there was a moment I was listening to um, the big picture episode um, where they were discussing it with Adam Naiman and his discussion on how much he loved it was so moving for me that I went out and ordered his book mind games um, where he was breaking down the career of David Fincher and 
Oh, geez. I didn't know you got the Fincher one. Yeah. Um, so it was just this incredible thing. So, like, and here's the power of a rewatch and a good podcast is that someone can, you know, maybe change your mind and get, and give you a gift of something that you've already made your mind up on. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a new stimulation. It can actually be an old stimulation bumped up. And I don't know what it was about the theater viewing um, because man, it was a super great space and a great time that we're having. And I think my expectations were just something different. But when I watched it the second time at home streaming on the TV, I kind of was like, oh, wow, this is actually I, – I, I felt it a lot more. I was able to like really be more involved with the film, I guess. It just yeah. ended up being so much better than um, – than I had experienced in the theater itself. But with that said, like I, I hear a lot of at the end of the year guys and like Sam Esmail, who was wanting to go see it on opening night and saw that like nobody <laughs> in New York city was watching it. Yeah. Um, in the theaters, it was a real bummer. I, I want to say the film dogs were there on opening night, watching opening the killer night. in the yeah. theater. I mean, Fincher fans. I'm a Fincher fan. I mean, and I want to support artists in the theater um, as best as I can. I've been on a Fassbender kick, so that was a big one for me because I've been really liking Fassbender recently. And then to be able to catch the killer in theaters opening night, I really wanted to see Fassbender in this kind of role. And and we're both Tilda Swinton fans. Mm-hmm. Oh my uh, goodness, she was great in it. And then Charles Parnell was probably the other out of the anybody else that was in it that had a had a lot more lines or a larger role in it but it's mainly Fassbender and he, I loved him in it and then Tilda Swinton even the smallish part that she plays but the writing the shots the music I um, feel like it has it the potential a lot of fun I feel like it has the potential to be one of the more rewatchable movies 100% of this year uh definitely in all of my top 10 I just feel like yeah. it's something it could end up being a it could at the end of my life it could be a 10 watch film it could be it could also oh, yeah. be like a two watch film uh it'd be a three or four for maybe. fincher it's gonna be a re-watch film for me because i do i do like fincher but, I kind but of there feel are like every time he, i can't throw on every night <laughs> every time he gets a film going though it's gonna be like oh let's go back and revisit his, like he's just one of those guys yeah. you want to revisit his entire filmography mm. ex- except for benjamin button maybe yeah <laughs> All right, uh, moving right along. We've just done the killer. I am going to go next with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Nice. That's on my list as well. Nice. I kind of thought that maybe it would, but uh, we never really talked about it a lot, and I didn't know how high you were on it. The I'll get mine out of the way so that you can – because you drafted it before me now that this is a draft. But the animation is um, unlike anything you've ever seen before. It was it would, uh, when I say that I mean, in a, it's an artistic animation, and it and it's hard to say the last time I've been moved and drawn into a film because of the animation and it not looking real. Um, it, it's just it has its own thing, and and. Um, I was late to the game on the first Spider-Man of the series. Uh, and I get it. I get it now. Like I get it when I watched the first one, I went, Oh, I sh- yeah, I definitely should have watched this sooner. Um, and it was famously when this was released in theaters was famously 
people were saying, we don't know how, but they made the first one better. And I think I would agree as well. Um, so if you're somebody who's been holding out on because of Marvel fatigue, which I get, we ha- we don't normally watch Marvel movies. You're probably not going to hear us talk about them. And <laughs> maybe a, and some a, and a early way. ones, or in a good way. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this is a film to not be missed just for the pure art of filmmaking, what it took to make it, the animation, and um, it, yeah, it was crazy. It yeah. was beautiful. It was so beautiful, and it was just this big mix of styles. It was cutting edge in the way that it's presented. It is all of these different ways of telling a story in a different visual medium. And you've got uh, it had this grungy style. It had this realistic, simplistic style. It had these three, like just like with the first one. But this time, I don't know how they actually went about it because the first one was pretty good like uh, with cinematography. But in this one, it really just seemed like they were really obeying the rule of thirds and it's like these classical compositions. It was just so beautiful. Like everything about it's always been beautiful to watch. This one was just so much more beautiful to watch. Like for something like the colors just meshed together. There was something that was extra beautiful about it over into the spider verse. It just really resonated. Like I was just captured and, in order for that to be effective, there also has to be a good story behind it. And this story, I think, was better than even the first one. Like we're still dealing with this sort of multiverse hangover, and this has just found a way to make it feel fresh and sort of irrelevant about all of the other bad things. Like this Spider-Verse as a film exists in a different cinematic universe than every other superhero film <laughs> yes. that's out there currently. It's the only relevant superhero thing that's going on right now. And look at the box office. It will back up what I'm saying. Nobody gives a shit about anything except for Spider-Verse. Yeah. Studios are still making it. Here's a warning. Studios, quit making that shit. It's not going to be successful. Make the gritty stuff that you are. like Because obviously the Joker made the billion. Batman was very successful. Um, the Matt Reeves version. Keep on keeping on with that. But nobody wants to see the Marvels. Nobody wants to see the bloody Captain Marvel. Nobody wants whatever is up the pipeline. Quantum Media Part Seven. Who cares? Fuck off. <laughs> Quantum Media Number Seven. That's the title of this episode. Word. Um. Well, you got Spider Man there, so let's maybe um, let's say Past Lives. Oh my goodness! Because uh, I had just watched rewatched that um, and got to show Mrs. B the other night. I made the mis- would, would I made the mistake of accidentally telling her before we watched the film, uh, like in the evening, going, oh, I think we'll watch this movie called Get Out tonight," and then we ended. I, I, it wasn't the right mood, <laughs> so I was like, "Oh no, we'll do Past Lives," and I threw that on, and I think she was confused because she was expecting something else. And then I was like, "No, no, no! This is Past Lives. This is the romantic film." Oh, so you do, you Lord pulled the Marcus old bait and, and switch, but didn't tell her the bait and switch. So That's she was correct expecting because I assumed a... she wasn't going to pay attention. Um, but she was sucked in as well. Uh, she was not interested at the beginning. And I think that's how you should take this as somebody who maybe doesn't watch this kind of film. Yeah. Uh, is that you're like, oh, I don't know. There's a bit of, I got to read. There's, it's not in English and it's slow or like, what is it? No, it's fucking beautiful. 
it is amazing. Mm. Uh, so much so that it got my wife, who thought she was about to watch something maybe a bit more exciting in a horror movie, uh, it got her um, to stop what she was doing because she sometimes will work on her computer while movies are on the background, which is why I'll choose what I want to watch. It, it it made her stop working and watch the movie. Uh, the story was compelling. It was beautiful. The music to that movie, the music... Um, I was telling Mrs. B, I think the music is at least worth a star for me. Because if you're somebody who doesn't like the thought of it, not that we'd call it a foreign film, um, but because there's so much of it in subtitles um, that you have to read, there's something about the music in the film that actually sucks you in and is telling you what's going on, almost like opera. And you don't have to almost read the subtitles to get the emotion because the acting on screen is so beautiful and the music underneath it, like an opera, is telling the story. So I got all these emotions just from uh, the soundtrack and the music. And uh, it's a compelling story. I think it works more for me and you because we are expats who... um, do live overseas and we did marry people from different countries as well uh and and making that work but i i think in general my 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 wife uh she understood the film and was moved by it as well although that wasn't necessarily her story um there was it's just a beautiful film and if you're somebody who would ever watch a romantic film or it, uh maybe you watch art full films and you watching it for story and for cinematography and for music you, you this is a move that should be on your list it, it, and it is worthy to be in your top 10 for 2023 and it's worthy of hopefully nominations which we're already seeing come through for um some of the best one of the best movies of the year yes um a, a couple things i'd like to lead off with here i'm gonna get kind of in a in a bad way i need to get out something that has been suggested about this movie is that it's going to be a shoe in to win the best foreign language film at the Oscars yeah, or that uh, it's you scored this nomination as an international feature and it's an a 24 film. It's an American film. Uh, yeah. There is subtitles and part of it takes place in South Korea, but most of it takes place in New York City and Montauk and Toronto. And like there's uh this is not a foreign language film. Yeah. What I think has happened, uh this particularly about the Golden Globe nominations here. What I think has happened is that they have this beautiful film that is get uh, like kind of a very critical darling and well deserved uh critical darling that they want to give it a chance because they're saying well, this has no chance against the you know, these big savage beasts of Oppenheimer and killers of the flower moon Barbie. as Scarsese and, and Barbie is like, we, we need to make a, like we need to fit it somewhere where it can possibly win. Now here's what I say is uh, don't commit genre fraud uh, and, and trying to, to score the win. Yeah. If it's going to be nominated for best film of which I certainly think that it's deserving Put it in the best picture category, not the best form film category. It's an American film made by an American studio that's over half English. 
And there's true foreign films out there that deserve the extra spot that this one would be taking. Don't do that. Let this film stand on its own. Let it stand toe-to-toe with the big boys. You might be surprised. It might win Best Picture of the Year because it's fucking beautiful. This is like the most powerful emotional film that I have watched in such a long time. It resonated with me the night that I watched it. I cried for like an hour straight during the middle of the film. As a film dog, watching it in the theater, didn't care. Second time rewatch, I think I cried probably about 10 minutes more than I did the first time, knowing everything that was going to happen. And I was crying thinking about it. I've been crying talking about it. I might start crying right now. This is like the most emotional, bloody powerhouse. I I don't even know what else to say about it. Like, it's like it, it... it, it, there's so many interesting things that it's mm-hmm. semi-autobiographical, which makes me want to know more about the director. It's like, this is a one-off that she's like, what? I'm just so interested in the whole vibe of it. Um, I know that we talked before, like we went and saw it at the theater together. And before you were like, what are your chances of this? Like cracking your top 10 romantic movies of all time. Yeah. I was like, I, well, I really hope like my hope was that it would. I was like, I want, obviously every time I go to the theater, I want to see the, the best new, like the, my new favorite. Um, Realistically, I didn't think it was going to crack my top 10, Yeah, but man, it's easily like in my top, it's easily in my top four. If not, uh, and, and I'm not even going to give it a, a ranking at the moment because like, it needs a couple more watches. So emotionally powerful. I man, I hope this surprises people. I want people to see it. If you're an emotional person, if you've been like, if you need a good date night movie where you don't mind some like one of somebody's going to be crying or you're both heartless, um, or just <laughs> particular about your horror genre films. Um, but it was so touching. It was so emotionally powerful. I can't say if you love the Lake Ladder films, the before um, trilogy, I, I think that anybody like if you like yeah, that film, yeah. you would like this. Yeah, but hands down. This is much more like I think much more emotionally powerful, if not. Uh, it, it does have a sort of a medium to slow pace that, yeah. uh, through a lot of it. But that's but where the debut so director real. as well. Debut director. Oh, my God. Celine Song. Look, I, Greta uh, Lee. Like, um, I think Greta Lee's in the conversation for best uh, lead I mean, nothing against her, but I, who knew that she had that in her? Like, I'd only man, seen her in the Russian amazing. doll. I'd never seen her in anything yeah, else. Amazing. Oh, she sold it. I, do I think that she's better than Emma Stone? Or da, da, da? I, I, the, the movie doesn't the work without is her. Hard. The yeah, movie doesn't correct. work without her. Correct. She care like she is able to sell this idea that that like she, yeah. Uh, I don't think it works without her. I don't think it works without with either one of the other actors. Like the, this this trio, this sort of love triangle. I was so believable. Like I was just so torn. Oh my yeah. God. Like I really, um, look, dude, I'll be honest. This is wrestling for my number one spot. <laughs> uh, and it might come out on top. Well, uh, I'll let you take it away. What's, uh, what do you got up next? Well, I'm going to have to go with the, uh, it's only competition killers of the flower moon. Interesting. Yeah. That that's on my list as well. It will be my number two or my number one. Yeah, that's that's where it's sitting for me as well. Now, um, you know, when we talk about like letterboxed, I normally the way that I do things is um, so that I can keep thoughts. What I'll generally do is as soon as I start watching a film, I select review and log and I'll give it an automatic rating. Okay. Based on what I think that it's going to be. Yeah. And I start writing notes uh, on my review log. 
And then after the film, um, sometimes if I'm not interested in seeing who else has been in the film or this, that, and the other, I'll just complete my review and uh, update my um, my rating at that point. But sometimes I want to know more about the actors or actresses yep. that have been in it. So I save it. And so there might be a brief amount of time where something's a, a three and a half where it's really a four and a half or it might be four and a half where it's really a three and a half because I don't really finalize it till the next day. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but I kind of normally wouldn't ever... After I first, there's only a handful of films that I was like, all right, that's definitely five star after the first watch. Because mm-hmm. there has been some downgrades. And I'm just like, I want to be fair. And if it's five star, then it's worth watching. Like for me, it should be worth watching twice. Yeah. I knew after Killers of the Flower Moon, I knew after the first half an hour that it was five star. <laughs> I knew after the first yeah. hour that it was yeah. five star. Yeah. I knew after two and a half hours, five star. I knew at the end of the film that it was a five star film. I still know that it's a five star film. It is um, technically, absolutely, without a doubt, behind the scenes, all the preparation. Yes. It's the, it is the best film of the year. Um, the only thing that I would like to say is that in comparison to Past Lives is that um, maybe Past Lives is more me and it's definitely more emotional. But that's not to say Flowers of uh, Killers of Flower Moon. It's very emotional. Yeah. It's a different kind of catharsis, though, um, which is what I'm really struggling with. It's coming down to the um, which one's going to sort of uh, that Killers of the Flower Moon, Scorsese at the top yeah. of his game. Maybe. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, everybody already knows or should know or will know that I'm not a big Goodfellas fan. So most people this traditionally ten have times, 10 times better than good, Goodfellas. Traditionally, people have a Goodfellas at the top of their Scorsese lists. Um, so for me to say that Killers of the Flower Moon might be at the top of my Scorsese list, I'm not saying that it definitely is. It could be. Um, I loved it. I think it's a perfect film. It's the definition of harmony yeah. and filmmaking, the cinematography, the score, um, the, the acting, just everything about it. The production design was immaculate. I, like, I'd be surprised if it uh, doesn't win uh, for production design. Uh, Leo certainly going to get the, uh, an acting nom, if not if not a win. I'm, yeah. I've not seen all the other candidates. Can't really say for sure. Yeah. De Niro the same way, um, and Lily Gladstone. Lily Gladstone. But what geez. I want to say is, uh, uh, just really quickly, hmm. L.A. Film Critics Awards. She wins the award, but in the supporting category, not the lead. And I think that's the correct call. But I don't think yeah. that's I don't think that's the way it's going to roll with the Oscars, which is yeah. the only thing that really matters. Yeah, everything else is like second place. The mm-hmm. Oscar is the only thing that matters to the to these artists is if they want the award at all. And of yeah. course, everybody would like the award. They might not live or do this for the awards. Some people might, but I think in this case, I think she's going to. Uh, I think in the Oscar race, she's going to be. Um, she she'll probably win for the best lead. But this is the correct call. She like yes, the story is about her. The book is about the book is about her, but the book is not about her. It's about what happened. She's central to the story. It can't work without her. But she does not have the screen time. She she has less screen time than De Niro. Yeah. She is a supporting actress in this film. I think it's really important to to know that. Yeah. But Here's the thing. The Scorsese has made such a beautiful, genius film. You really wouldn't know that. It feels like she's in every scene. Well, I, I would say um, 
I but, would say, uh, but, it, but it's more about the murders. Is the correct call because if it's her against Emma Stone for best actress, I'd pick Emma Stone mm-hmm. for poor things. Um, uh, like for me, there's just no getting around that. The uh, well, we'll we'll save. Uh, so I just did Killers of the Flower Moon. You're up. What's I'm, on? What's next I'm on a, that top Okay, 10? I reckon. Uh, Oppenheimer. Wow. Right on. I'm glad yeah. you picked that as well. Yeah. I, I, I mean, know you liked it. I, I knew it would, I, I did. Um, for me, this was one of the, for what I'd seen in cinema was the most exciting for me. I, like I had the most anticipation for it. Christopher Nolan fan. We are Christopher Nolan fans. There's um, something about the World War II history the the tension of waiting for another Christopher Nolan movie and him using Cillian Murphy as his lead and and wondering what that would look like and it's an important film it's an important film for history uh as a biopic as uh, an artful film I I really enjoyed it. It's not something that I'm um I've I've probably watched it four four times already. I caught it twice in theaters and I've already done you know at least two viewings at home uh because there's an emotion that it conveys about a moment in history which is argued to be one of the greatest moments or most important moments in the world. And that's a moment that uh, when they are doing the testing and um, their interpretation of what happens, uh, it moves me every time that I watch it. So it's something that uh, I just, uh, even the performances in it from supporting actors of Emily Blunt and Matt Damon and Robert Downey Jr. and Florence Pugh and Josh Hartnett and Casey Affleck, like it's, it, it's, it's a stacked, I mean, Benny Safdie, <laughs> How do you Robbie think Malik, uh, like it, it? They got could, everybody could we to get be an, in this. Could though. we get an award prediction for Oppenheimer? Um, I think you I think don't. It, I don't know if it would get the best picture, but I think if they're going to go mainstream, it would. Uh, but I think Nolan will get it for best director over Scorsese. Hey, uh, yes, because he famously gets snubbed over, over Glazer. Yes, over who famously Glazer. gets snubbed? Uh, Nolan? Uh, no, uh, Scorsese. Oh yeah, he does famously get snubbed. Yeah. It's like this is probably his last chance, though. I think I that, think that he should win it. If I uh, and here's the thing: year. if I was a but member, this of, is in our awards talk. I know. Well, <laughs> but we will give our awards. We, we will. We will have an award show. The Film Dogs Awards is much more important to everybody in the universe. Um, but I would say, as a member, if I was a member of the Academy, I would I would look at it first as yes, a master of the art form. Of course, there, there's more than one. Um, but Scorsese has delivered, and he's gotten one Oscar for a film that was definitely not his best film, and yeah. maybe for some of you that might be like me, not even like his top ten films. And he wins the Oscar for that. Like he, like you are giving him a legacy award that he deserves for making the technically best film. I like. I would pick Killers of the Flower Moon over Oppenheimer. 
in yeah. a sense. Uh, I don't, not to rob you of the Oppenheimer part of it. I'm just saying, like, if we're talking about what deserves the best picture, um, I would uh, I would just sort of argue more for Scorsese than I would for Nolan. Nolan's got a he's still a pretty young guy. He's got time for it. This is Scorsese's yeah. swan song. And if I compare the filmography, I might like a couple of the, the Nolan films, like comparatively, but the filmography, there's no question. Let's mm-hmm. send Marty out on a, on a high note. Yeah. Agreed. He might yeah. retire and then be like, I'm just going to be a letterbox fanatic. Yeah, exactly. And, t- and teach people what films yeah. they should well, be watching. Which uh, I welcome that. You can teach teach me Marty. Um, but Oppenheimer did did make my list. Um, right on. I'm not I'm not ashamed by it. Um, no, I, I, hope it, a, I hope it gets some awards as well. Um, I'm like, I, I didn't hate it. I, I I just didn't love it the way that everybody. For else. me, it was a big homecoming to the theater to see. Like, I really wanted to see I this loved, uh, epic for, for nostalgia. It yeah. was my birthday weekend, um, and we went, uh, and I loved it. I loved meeting the film students. The memory of it's great. Yeah. Um, the whole sensation of it, it's like, but when I'm talking about the film itself, I'm like, I, I just don't even. I don't want to watch it again. And that's sort of uh, the indictment for me is like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and for me, this movie uh, gets better on rewatchable on, on multiple watches. Cause I'm, I'm four times in already. Right on. What do you got next? I'm going to save one for you because it's more your, uh, more <laughs> so your I, thing. I know, I'm which, gonna go I know poor, which one poor, you're going to say. So go ahead and say. I'm going to go with poor. I'm going with poor things. Okay, cool. That's on mine as well. But you can obviously talk about it more than me. Have Have you gotten in a second watch yet? No, uh, yeah. not not yet. I don't think it's going to come out until like a couple of days. Uh, There's like that opening weekend before I've, Christmas. I've been watching the pre-release again because we we did catch it on a uh, festival screening, so we yes. got it early, oh, which was God. great. Um, and we will get it again for another that, release. Oh, hopefully. Yeah. I, I am very stoked for it. I think the hypersexuality of it, where there's just no escaping at all yeah. ever, it's gotta be a part of the conversation that, that, that is discussed on the, you know, there may be a young viewer that doesn't know what they're in for. And they, um, have been previously a Mennonite in their life but, yeah. and they go see poor things and like, Oh my goodness, not, mom and dad never told me about that. If you're a conservative Christian, for the love of God, do not watch this movie. <laughs> no, please. I, I would say the exact opposite. If you're a conservative Christian, please watch this movie. And but light, you just said and, somebody and, who stumbles into the, the theater not, not knowing what they're about I was to get like, into. Well, you know, I, I don't want to be criticized for it, but I certainly wish that people would lighten up and uh, allow this yes. to sort of settle yeah. in for being an artistic experience. Yeah. Uh, but overall, look, uh, it definitely is artistic. Emma Stone, absolutely at her very best and she's already she's won an academy it. award she's been nominated multiple times this is uh far and above and i've not seen some of yeah. uh the other lauded performances it's like she's laughing at us that, she, uh, that she's like oh it's a role you're that, wondering what i could do i yeah i can do this it is a role that sort of demands um like an a plus 200 million percent performance and she does it with ease yeah you, like there's nobody else that could have done this movie, and that's like the highest praise that I can give. Like I don't think I would have even considered. It. I don't think anybody else would have considered it. I don't think it would have been made. Uh, I famously don't like Mark Ruffalo. He was so yeah, great in this movie. He was great Willem Dafoe's got the nom uh, as supporting as well. Ruffalo's got the supporting for the nom. Yeah, it's cool that they both made it. So um, the production design was very Terry Gilliam. 
and he's my number two director of all time. I, like while I was watching, I was like, oh man, Yorgos has been watching like the Adventures of Baron Manchhausen. <laughs> yeah, I was just like really. Oh, I, I, uh, it is the most me film of the year. There's a couple of flaws in it, um, and uh, just a couple. It just sort of bored me with the hypersexuality more than anything. Mm. Like, let's just sort of simmer that down and replace it with, a, or, or maybe shorten it just a, just a tad. I don't know. Like, uh, I'm not telling a master how to make his film. It's, I hope it does really well. Uh, if it wins Best Picture of the Year, I won't be surprised. It was super good. Um, but I don't think it me, will win I don't Best th- Picture for the Year because of the sexuality. I think th- if it gets the nom, it possibly could just because I think this is going to be a tight race. I think Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon and now with Zone of Interest and possibly Anatomy of a Fall, people might go the more art house direction. It's like, it's always yeah. it's hard to say that like you put these things up. Like Oppenheimer has been out forever. People have forgotten about it. Where's the energy at? Um, yeah. I'm curious. Uh, but I think for me that um, it is worthy of being in that conversation um, all the way. I am positive. It's going to get the nomination. I'm positive. The director is going to get the nomination. I will not be surprised if there's an upset win there. I think that Emma's the front runner. Um, it all come down to the Lily Gladstone nomination, yeah. whether it's supporting or lead. Yeah, I think she is going to take home the gold in whatever category she ends up in. I think the momentum's on her side. Lily, She's beautiful. Lily, yeah, Lily? for Lilia. Yeah. Um, but realistically, if I was to sit there and look at those two performances and just say, you know, Lily Gladstone was more of a very subtle facial performance. But Emma Stone was also a facial performance. It was also a body performance. It was also a mind performance. She had to play multiple roles. She had to go from a very childlike to sexually mature within a couple of scenes. Like it was just crazy the amount of dynamic range that Emma Stone had to summer. Yeah. And Lily Gladstone only had to be too like, you know, sort of fun loving and then dying of diabetes. <laughs> yeah. You know, there wasn't really it's not to take away from her. It's just more that I, I just feel that the Emma Stone portion just had to cover so much more ground. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was great. But if Lily wins, um, I'm happy for that. And if, if neither one of them win, I'm happy for whoever wins. Um, but my take is for me, Emma Stone, poor things. Poor things as a dark horse for best picture, dark horse for best director, dark horse for adapted screenplay. Yeah, fair enough. Because I would say that for me, Scorsese, uh, Killers Flower Moon, yes, a show in for best adapted screenplay. But I would give uh, the Dark Horse upset to Poor Things. Yeah, costume design also is going to be the for me. I think those two are the um, yeah costumes uh, the front, are insane. Fr- front runner. Dude, she's stunning in that movie. Um, I guess that wraps up with me because that was on my list as well. And um, the other ones that I had on there was Killers of Flower Moon, which we already talked about, uh, which leaves Asteroid City. Asteroid City. Um, Wes Anderson, we, we were able to catch this in theaters as well. I would say highly anticipated. He was a shared director of ours that we... Uh, enjoy watching together on rewatches. I would say that um, I, I I think that you, uh, I think you would have him ranked higher on a 
auteur list mm. than I would. But you've made me come around. Um, I've really, in the last year, come to appreciate him more than I ever have. It's not that I ever disliked him. I've always, I have always loved Darjeeling yeah. Limited. Um, There's but I an think, appreciation for Wes. That, that. I think after we watched French Dispatch, or maybe even like I think we watched um, The Life Aquatic. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, time for me to maybe reappraise. But then we watched French Dispatch, and I was like, okay, I'm convinced. And Asteroid City, like the other top five, because it's in my top five, maybe my number one, um, is I knew coming out, I knew while I was watching it that it was great. Yeah. It was nice to see uh, Schwartzman as like one of his leading men again. Even with Tom Hanks in it. Yes, which you famously are not a Tom Hanks fan, so I remember the anticipation I, I, of watching it and wondering what his role. I liked him in the seventies. I, I like some of his eighties uh, roles. Sorry, um, like Splash and Nothing in Common, and yeah. uh, even Big to an extent. Uh, it was just like modern Tom Hanks, uh, post Oscar winning Force Gun. Yeah, anything after nineteen ninety three for Tom Hanks has been a washout for me. But anyway, but, um, yeah, we got ScarJo as well, and she is uh, like stunning as well mm -hmm. not emma stone stunning as poor things but she is um scar scarlett oh, johansson she is kind of, captivating but she kind of is. should we yeah. say captivating she in is. this yeah uh you feel like you're jason Schwartzman in this film and you are in love with scarlett johansson's character <laughs> it's yeah. such a good movie yeah the story the acting it's wes anderson the Got cameos you, that he gets and tilda swinton Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Maya Adrian Hawk. Brody, Liv Schreiber, Hope Davis, <laughs> Rupert Friend, Maya Hawke, Steve Carell, Matt Dillon, Willem Dafoe, <laughs> and then he and then he has some of his regulars: Tony uh, Reveroli, um, who he was um, from the um, Grand Budapest Hotel, the main guy. Um, it's it's insane. The cast is insane. The story's insane. It's Wes in a different way as well. I don't know. It it doesn't remind me of another Wes Anderson film that I've seen, but it will always contain the moment you the moment the screen is no longer black and it and it goes into color, you go, Oh, it's a Wes Anderson movie. So it has that aspect to it, but it's Wes Anderson in a way that I've never seen before. Um if we're talking about Killers of the Flower Moon being a masterpiece for Scorsese and being higher than Goodfellas, it's like Asteroid City to me is a is a masterpiece for Wes Anderson. It's it's a masterpiece. Um I wish I was able to catch it again in theaters because I really hated the theater we went to watch it in. Um but, but that's the nice thing about I think for Wes Anderson films is that yeah, I I love going to see them in the theater that they are equally as entertaining on a nice 65 inch. Yeah. Yeah. More a four by four black and white radio transistor television. If that is your bag, <laughs> but that was an automatic buy this year. So like if we were talking about even movies that purchased, cause I'm actually buying movies a bit like arty movies that are hard to get on streaming services. Um, or ones that I really, really love that I want to have and I know that I'll rewatch. I've already bought this year Asteroid City, the moment that it was able to be bought. I already bought um, 
you'll laugh, but I already bought Barbie when that was released right away because I just Mrs. B really liked that movie. And well, I, I would laugh. I like it. I know that Daisy and the kids would like that movie. I'm so not being like, disrespectful to people that love Barbie. Like, um, it was just some people have different tastes, and it just did not fall into uh, a category of something that I appreciated. But I don't disrespect anybody that likes it at all. I really don't. Um, Battlefield Earth is another story. If you like that piece <laughs> of shit, I will judge you. No. But but not Barbie. I like I, I see what is um attractive about Barbie to people. Like I, I I get it, but I'm just being honest with myself. It's just not something that I agree with. Um but it's like I I don't um I don't sort of judgmentally punish Muslims or Jewish people or Catholics. Yeah, if you love Barbie, you love Barbie. That's who you are. That's um that is your identity, a Barbie lover. I'm, I ain't criticizing. <laughs> and I also bought Oppenheimer. I think those are the only movies of 2023 release that I've bought so far. I bought Past Lives. Did you? Yeah. Uh, I almost have and should have um, while I was watching it during my rental because I rented it because it's just been released uh, for renting on, on streaming or purchase. Um, I kind of regretted it and wish I just paid the extra to buy it. Um <laughs> it will be on my ton watch list eventually. Closing thoughts. Um, we will come back to this because, like we've closing said at thoughts. The beginning. Um, if I had to give you the personal favorite odds for my number one, it's going to be past lives. Interesting. At the moment, that's what I feel. Uh, it uh, overwhelmingly one, two, three punch to the face you're about to get up and then a wave smacks you down even harder you don't know who to root for it's a first time directorial debut against the master martin scorsese does he need my vote does marty need my vote he doesn't need my vote <laughs> neither does celine it's, like, it's got to be what film speaks to me the most right now right now past lives speaks to me the most and i think a lot of people um I don't think those two films will be what most people will pick as the best of the year. Yeah. But a lot of people will. Um, and I could, I could even make a case for poor things if it was just, if I had the power to edit it a half an hour out of it, it would be in the running for sure. It's like a number three or number four or a number five. And I like past lives, but I honestly don't think it will crack my top five. Mm. Um, because if you said that that would be in your one or two, I would definitely have Killers of the Flower Moon currently in my one or two. And I think Poor Things at my one or two Yeah, at right the on. moment. But yeah. th but we still have about I, five about, more movies has, that could I have wrestled with having Poor Things at my number one as well. Hmm. I think, but uh, what's really solidified that uh, now a rewatch of Poor Things is definitely uh, in order because I did not. Uh, so my closing thought is that when I rewatched Past Lives, yeah, and here's something to be to say about recency bias, um, it out of my top three, it's the one that I have most recently seen, yeah. Um, so is it a coincidence that it's the one sitting at number one? Maybe, maybe. But I loved it at the time. Is I uh, no, so, I, I it'll stay for. I you. love La, I love La La Land. I, I could love tell Wands. how moved we've, you were when we first saw it. We've talked about um, some of the like this falls into the genre of films that I really really love. Right person, wrong time. Once La La Land before sunrise, like this is sitting in. Where does uh, Killers of the Flower Moon sit in as far as uh, a a story of my life of films that I love? It, it it's kind of a standalone. Mm. 
where past lives fits neatly in with these other films that I love, like La La Land and Once and Before Sunrise and Before Sunset. Um, I kind of feel like it, it, it is more me, uh, even though I think that it's not as technically perfect as Killers of the Flower Moon. Because I think, uh, so my takeaway is emotional uh, body punches from past lives versus the perfect film from Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon. Technically perfect. So much harmony, so many great performances. Can't say enough about it. Does that leave a, a third personality to come slide through and let poor things push through? Man, poor things could make it. At the end of the day, really so could Spider-Verse. Um, yeah. Uh, but those, uh, I, I'd say my top five is uh, my top five is pretty set, barring a surprise. It's just the order of which it comes out. And hopefully I will get to... Um, I want to do a rewatch of Poor Lot... Um, Poor things. I want to do a rewatch of Spider Verse, and I want to do a rewatch of. Is everyone on top? Uh, the killer. Bo is afraid. Yeah, I want to do another rewatch of Bo is afraid as well. Nice. Well, Word. I'm Mr. B. I'm Lord Marcus. Thank and you for joining us. We're the film dogs. We are the film dogs. Woo! Woof. <laughs> <laughs>